Hi, and welcome back to our podcast about the grapes of wrath. This is episode three, and today we'll be, we will be talking about... How to read like professors. I'm your host, Jake, joined by... Lawrence Wizzick. Aspen Doom. Kira Donovan. Let's jump right in. Um, in the recent chapter, um, Steinbeck kind of emphasizes a lot of meals, which is very weird because when you read about a meal in a book, it's kind of the boring part. But he chooses to use meals as symbolism um, and to progress the themes of the story. In chapter 22, um, Tom was unable to go to sleep in the government camp. And in the morning, he sees this family who is having their breakfast. It's biscuits and bacon, and it just looks delicious. And they actually invite him over. And they said it's their 12th day without missing a meal, which for some people was awesome. Yeah, during that time especially. And yeah. And they said how they were able to find work right away. And even though the scene is just kind of like, whatever, it's in there. I think the symbolism behind it is that there's a lot of hope in this camp to move on and be better. Especially because, like, they're given a lot, too. Like, they're not, like, when the Joad family came, they were surprised that there was, like, toilets and showers and, like, running water and stuff, and they weren't used to that. So they were like, hey, maybe there is a better life here. It's almost like a new start for them because they go from this terrible journey from Oklahoma all the way to California, having little hope, hearing from people that they're probably not going to get jobs, being turned away at things, Mm -hmm. and then they get to this place where they're accepted and people actually care for them. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it's like, boom, now we have this hope that we can start and we can actually do what we came here to do. And I would say the overall dynamic of the camp kind of ties into the theme of the advantage versus the disadvantage disadvantage because they're brought together a lot here they're really generous to towards each other in mm-hmm. their efforts to you know survive as the disadvantage group yeah i think they also a lot of people at this camp i think connected easier because they all experience like generally the same thing like they all struggled because obviously it's a great depression but like they went all went through rough, rough times and like I think it's also good that they have a group of people where they all have these same feelings. They're not just going to be rude to each other because they're all in terrible situations. They just genuinely know that everybody's going through the same Mm -hmm. thing, so they give each other what they need. Yep. What I feel like is really important about this camp is that is that community, and it's really it doesn't happen all over the place. And one thing that stands out in my mind was. in the second meal in chapter 22, um, Mott was making breakfast because the women's council or the women's committee, the, the women's yeah. committee was going to come over and kind of tell them about how the camp is run. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to get all the family up and going and she's making breakfast mm-hmm. and the camp owner actually stops by. And here, Ma has her guard up. She has been defensive this entire time. She's really concerned about you know other people in the camp not really joining that community and throughout her conversation with the owner she kind of loosens up to the point where she actually offers breakfast to the man 
Um, he doesn't have a full breakfast. He just wants some coffee, which smells really nice. Um, but yeah, I feel like that community is also pretty evident throughout the meals even. And I think that part is telling of Ma because her form of resilience is kind of grouping together with others to have a group effort to just survive. Yeah, I never thought of that. That's good. Mm-hmm. I never thought of it that way. That's yeah, good. I think it's a really good point. I never really thought about it in that way that how she has resilience is it's it's her group. It's she she does it together. She doesn't do it by herself. Yeah, she always emphasizes that. Yeah, speaking of um, that group, a lot of kind of challenges arise um, on their way. And some of these challenges were actually pretty violent. Um, in chapter 20, we see Steinbeck use a lot of violence to portray symbols. One important time that I, I thought... Sorry about that interruption. Back to the violence that Steinbeck shows in chapter 20. Um, one violent scene that happens was in the ragtag camp. Um, a cop shows up to kind of beat up the people um, who opposed the contractor who was there trying to get jobs. Um, one of the people that they met, Floyd, punches the cop and kind of runs away. And then you see Casey and Tom stop him. Tom trips him. But we see violence from Casey where he then kicks the police officer and knocks him out. Some symbolism there would kind of be just people getting broken and they finally snap. Yeah, because this is definitely new for Casey because he's always been a very passive character. He hasn't gone out looking for trouble. He was a preacher. He was just like someone you would go to for help, not you wouldn't be expecting him to have a violent outburst like that. Yeah, it kind of tells of how these situations kind of force people to become more aggressive and fierce. Yeah, and then throughout the situation... Um, somebody has to kind of take the fall for this violence. And, you know, one thing that we've been monitoring throughout these chapters is uh, Casey's initials. And it starts with a J, his first initial, and C. And Steinbeck likes to use a lot of biblical references. And we kind of connected that to Jesus Christ, basically. Um... And in chapter 20, kind of his ultimate sacrifice was taking the fall for hitting the cop, which would land him in jail, beat up, or even worse. And he also wanted to protect Tom because of his parole, and he was like out of state or whatever the situation was, and he wanted to protect him. Yeah, so it's kind of similar to the savior complex of Jesus. I think... Honestly, Steinbeck has a lot of just biblical references that we often overlook, and I think that's part of the whole reading like a professor is that we can pick out these like points and pinpoint it to like specific like biblical stories or biblical people. And one that we were recently just talking about is the government camp. And I think we can relate that to the Garden of Eden almost because that's like their their safe space. Safe haven, 
Yeah, on their quest to the promised land or California, they found this little kind of government camp that was their haven. Everybody there is super nice. Um, they have the running water, food, wages. That really kind of is almost the perfect world in their eyes. So in talking about references, not just like places or situations, but what are who are some people that we see being referenced from the Bible in this? Well, there's Jim Casey and Rose of Sharon is also another name to refer to Jesus. That comes up in, I think, Solomon when he was writing one of his songs um, to God. And, you know, Rose of Sharon kind of comes up quite a bit in the Bible and also explains Jesus. But one name that I that I kind of picked up on who left us in an earlier chapter was Noah. How was his kind of leaving representative of the name Noah? Well, it has a lot to do with like just the rest and comfort. With just how he leaves and he just, he just he like for a simple life. He just didn't feel like comfortable in like I guess, like, going to California and going on this, like, quest thing, I guess. Like, he just, like, wanted to be, like, alone. And like Warren said, like, a simple life. Like, he didn't want to deal with a bunch of problems or, like, more struggling, I guess. Mm -hmm. And he explicitly said that he wanted to just rest by the river, and that's why he stayed behind for the comfort of himself. Mm -hmm. So that really ties into the meaning of the name. Yeah. Um, speaking of quest, um, kind of their whole whole journey to um, California is a big quest. And there's a lot of symbolism in that. Um, a lot of challenges that they face on the road, like their camps, um, random strangers helping them or hurting them. Yeah. And I think, like, seeing... Weirdly, like, them seeing random strangers, like, who were, like, nice to them and helped them, they were, like, brought them, com they brought, like, the Joad family more comfort, also, that we were talking about earlier. Because their character, they're very nurturing, generous to other people, and they're very comforted to see that in others towards them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a, a good kind of place to end off on. Um, we see a lot of Steinbeck's symbolism in kind of the violence that he chooses to show and not to show, along with his use of biblical stories and references, and also how he makes boring scenes like meals into places where themes are ever-present. Yeah, or like a spot in the story where it's like important that you should remember. So yeah. Um, thank you for joining our podcast. See you next week on episode four, where we will be talking about resilience.